Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Great to be in the house of the Lord today. So many wonderful things happening. Um, but I've got a word for you this morning that I, I, I pray is going to uh, bring encouragement to you. We've been talking out of the book of Romans now for quite a while, and we'll be in it for quite a while. And uh, so we try to change it up and make it uh, a little different, a little exciting, and uh, with some new insights each and every week. We're, the series title is Unashamed. That comes from our key verse, which is in Romans chapter 1, verses uh, 16 and 17. We'd like to read it together. So if you would... Join with me and say, particularly the first uh, five words, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are true to your word because you are the word. And we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So to recap, if you're just bringing yourself into this study, this was written by Paul. He was on his final missionary journey. Uh, and uh, he is headed to Rome where he will ultimately be headed, be beheaded by Nero. Uh, for his faith. And so he is writing a letter from Corinth to uh, the Roman church, Jews, Gentiles, and then even unbelievers. And he's, he's bringing some, some light to the difference between Jews and Gentiles and both of our responsibilities by faith to trust in the Lord. So this is a pivotal point that we're joining at today, which is the uh, uh, last half of Romans chapter three. So that's why verse 21, where we're picking up today, if you haven't pre-read 21 through the end of the chapter, uh, hopefully uh, you'll keep up with us. But he says, but now. Okay, so that, that phrase right there means in light of everything I've said over the last half a dozen sermons. So if that doesn't mean anything to you, you're still going to grab something. So watch this. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. So there has been a keeping of the law for righteousness sake up to this point. He's unpacked that whole suitcase, but now he's saying, but now apart from the law, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. There is no way to ever be righteous enough to be in the presence of the Lord. He's perfect. He's holy. Can't even look on unholiness. And so as I thought about how can, I, how can I get to that place of righteousness, I thought about all the times that I've been, I hate to admit it, lost uh, driving, although I would never tell my wife that I'm just temporarily misplaced. I'm not actually lost. I just don't know where I'm at right now. And so a, a, do you not know, do you not know that a map is useless to you unless you know where you are? If you don't know where you're at, if I'd say, okay, how do you, how do you get to, how do you get to Chatham? Well, you say, go out of here. Well, you don't know where you're at. You don't know whether you're supposed to drive north or south. You don't know if you're supposed to drive east or west. You know where you need to go, but it has to start with what? You are here. You know, when you're at the mall and you look at that map, what's the first thing you look for? 
you are, where, where am I? Of course, now with our, with our smartphones, you just push the little, the little arrow thing and it just zones right in and tells you where you are. But you got to know where you're at. That's the power of the law. I can tell you all day long about Jesus, but unless you're convicted of your sin by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll never be able to get to Jesus. You have to know where you're at in this journey of your spiritual life. And that's why when you stop preaching sin, just so that everybody feels good about themselves, everybody says, oh yeah, I know God. No, you don't. You didn't start from the right spot. You took two lefts and a right, and you, you took three lefts, and you ended up right where you're at. Because you're God, and you get to determine what's right and what's wrong. And so we're all winners in this, and so everybody gets to choose whoever, whatever God they, no, that's not how it works. There's a starting point for all of us, and that is you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner. I know that's not popular. People turn me off of television right now. They just went click. I don't need to hear that. Well, they don't want to be convicted. I did not convict you. If you feel uneasy right now, that's the Holy Spirit doing his job. I'm simply telling you what the word says. You are lost. And until you can be found, you need to start with where is here. And here is lost in your sin. You have no hope of righteousness at all. A blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat is our condition before we know Jesus, lost. You can't get there from here unless you first know that you're lost in your sin and God's got to help us. So with that as our mental tapestry, go to Isaiah 53, excuse me, 43, verse 15. The Lord says, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says. He who, say it, made a way. Who, who did this? God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Anybody old enough to remember Don Moen as a worship leader? Joey's got his hand testifying in the back. <laughs> this is what the Lord says. He who made a way, what's the word? Through the sea. Through the sea. He made a way for Israel to survive but they had to go through the sea. There was a famine in the land. I don't remember. This is how Joseph ended up there and all of that. And then there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. God made a way for Israel to be saved even in the midst of a famine. God made a way for Israel to escape Egypt in the midst of all the young men being crucified by, or, or being killed by Pharaoh. God made a way for the Israelites, once they got out of that, well, they went to Egypt, they got out of Egypt, now they're out of Egypt, and all of a sudden, God makes a way for them to eat. Qua uh, male, uh, quail, I'm trying to put quail and manna together, and God, <laughs> man, quail manna or something, I don't know what, what happened there. But quail and manna and water from a rock. Then, boom, heartache after heartache, but God makes a way. Every time, their back's against the wall. Now, their back's against the wall at the Red Sea. God makes a way through it. This is what we just read. They get through the Red Sea. They wander in the wilderness. They come up against what? The Jordan River. Jordan River's at flood stage. Oh, no. God can make a way through the river. God made a way. Okay, now we're through the river. Now we're ready to take, possess the land. No, there's giants in the land. And now we got our first, our first battle here at Jericho. 
I've been to Jericho. The walls of Jericho, you can see the excavated walls of Jericho. They are so wide, you can run chariots on top of them. The walls that tumbled. So wait, we, God made a way through Jericho. Wouldn't it have been easier? I'd been like, I would have been, uh, uh, excuse me, Joshua, is there any chance we go around it? I'd like to go around. Yeah, you're going to march around it, boy, seven times. That's what you're going to do. But we're going to go through Jericho. We're going through the Dead Sea. We're going through the Jordan River. We're going through the wilderness. God will make a way through. He's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Those aren't just words. That's who he is. He is the way maker. But I think sometimes we forget that it is God who led them to Egypt, God who led them to the famine, God who led them to the desert. God led them to the Jordan River. It says even God took them the long way around to get them to the Red Sea. God didn't like, oh, took a wrong turn, redirecting, recalculate. No, God knew exactly where he was taking them to the edge of the Red Sea. Well, that didn't sound like the God I know. God's supposed to be good all the time. Yes, God is good all the time to display his goodness. Sometimes he takes you right to the edge of the Red Sea. Uh, you didn't hear that over there. You, you wanna, that's not happy clappy. That's not happy clapping, but I'm going to tell you that. Sometimes God takes you to a difficult place so that his glory can be manifest through you. That's not a popular gospel. I'm just telling you that right now. But I tell you what it is. It is the gospel. How do I know? Because you're lost in your sin. That's a difficult place for you to be. But he's a way maker. They went through the famine, they went through the desert, they went through the Jordan River, and they went through the Red Sea. They didn't go around it. They didn't go over it. They didn't go under it. They went through it. God will get you through your bankruptcy. He'll get you through your sickness, your difficulty. He'll get you through your fire. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He'll get you through your lion's den. He'll get you through your flood of unemployment, turmoil in your family. He'll get you through that. He'll get you through your heartache. He'll get you through your loneliness. Jesus said in John 14 of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except, what? Through. There's, you know, where's Aaron and Miles and their heyday football, you know, Lamphere Southeast rivalry. You got to get through me to get to the quarterback. And God says, through Jesus, you want to come to me? You must come through Jesus. He not only makes the way, he is the way, the only way. So reading on, verse 22 of our text on righteousness. Now, this righteousness, but this brand new thing we're talking about that isn't by the law, this righteousness is given, how? Say, through faith. This righteousness that you're going to need to be in his presence, it comes to you through faith in whom? Jesus Christ. To who? Everyone who believes. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. We've been through that over the last several sermons. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How do you get to Jesus? It says right there, through faith. Through faith, through faith. Sneak peek for Romans chapter 12, verse three, everyone has faith. 
Hannah did a devotional this past week online talking about we all have faith. We all have faith. You have faith that when you put the key in the ignition of your car this morning, it was going to turn on. You had, I had faith when I walked in here today, when I flip a light switch on, the lights are going to turn on. We all have a, por- a reasonable portion of faith. It's where we put that faith that makes the difference between a Christian and somebody just trying to be good enough to get through. Some put their faith in their bank accounts. Some put their faith in their friends. Some put their faith in their jobs. Some put their faith in their uh, 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 connections. Some put their faith in their 401k. Some put their faith in their church. Some put their faith in their Bible reading. Some put their faith in their prayer. How about put your faith in Jesus? Through Jesus, by faith, what it says, through faith, through faith. Everything you need from the Lord comes by faith. Ephesians 2.8, it's by grace, it's by grace you're saved what? Through faith. But watch, the predicate, that thing that comes in front of faith is what? Grace. Watch. By grace, you have been saved through faith. So you can't, listen to me, the faith that God gives you, and we all have faith, the faith that you have is not even your faith. He's given you faith to say, how will you steward this faith? I'm asking that you give some to me, that you put me at the top of the pyramid. Yes, trust in that and believe in that, and that's all good. But at the top of the hierarchy of faith in your life, Jesus' word is what has to be at the top. And how do you have, well, I I have faith in my faith. Don't do that. Have faith in Jesus. Because by grace, you don't even have faith unless it was his goodness, his provenient grace that goes in front of you that, well, I don't believe in the grace of God. Well, then how did you wake up this morning? How are you even clothed in a reasonable portion of your intelligence? By the grace of God. There but by the grace of God. Y'all should just be worm food. Me included. But God woke you up this morning. Why do you sleep? Why do you, well, human, no. God made you to experience a resurrection every morning to remind you he could have left you there. When your eyes open up, good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. A new day you've given me. I'm gonna put by grace my faith in you today to get me through whatever comes my way. And if whether you brought it or the devil brought it, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Through it all. Through it all. Galatians 3.26, Luther's favorite book. You are all sons of God. How? Through faith. Through faith in Jesus. That's how it works. Mark 10. Oh, uh, you're saved by faith. You're sons of God by faith. Mark 10. I don't have time to read the whole story, but we know that in the town of Jericho, there was a man by the name of Bartimaeus. When we talk about blind, when we talk about Bartimaeus, we all say, oh, that's blind. The story of blind Bartimaeus. Well, correction. It's the story of seeing Bartimaeus because God didn't leave him the way he found him. All right, so, excuse me. He was sitting by the roadside, verse 47 of Mark 10. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth had come, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, good friends here. Many rebuked him and told him, sit down, shut up. 
How many times have you began to speak faith over your kids, over your children, over your marriage, over whatever, and then somebody who says they're a friend, hey, sit down, be quiet, that's foolishness. No, don't be talking like that. Are you crazy? These are Bartimaeus' friends. Bartimaeus is blind. He wants to see Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, sit down, be quiet. Don't listen to the crowd. The majority of the crowd is wrong the majority of the time. Think about it. Verse 49, so Jesus stopped. Why? Because he heard faith. He said, call him over here. So they called him the blind man. Cheer up. <laughs> so when God begins to move, now all your naysayer friends, oh, look at there. God's blessing you. God's blessing you. <laughs> so they called the blind man. Cheer up. He's good. And throwing, verse 50, throwing his cloak off, the thing that he trusted in, his earthly possession, the thing he had faith in. I'm a blind man in 2,000 years ago. I have a certain garment I'm wearing that identifies me as a beggar. I don't have a wardrobe of clothes. I have a robe, probably tattered and stinky, and I sit against that wall all day long and bake in the sun of the lowest, hottest spot on the face of the earth next to the Dead Sea, Jericho. Not a pretty picture. Didn't have a fresh, fresh haircut from Miles Alexander. <laughs> he was looking a little shabby. And he took the only thing that identified him as the beggar, the way that he would earn money, threw that aside, and my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. He ran. What do, you, what do you want me to do, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Verse 52, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Anything you need from the Lord comes because of his grace through the faith that he has given you. I just re re rehearsed three things. How do you get saved? By grace through faith. How do you get healed? By grace through faith. How do you get delivered? By grace through faith. How do you uh, get baptized in the Holy Ghost? By grace through faith. How, anything you want from the Lord, it's his grace. And then you stand in faith and say, God, you said, and I'm going to stand here and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm putting all of my faith, all of my trust in you. And I'm and I really hard to sometimes really get yourself into a place of what that means until you live in Minnesota like my wife and I did for a number of years and you walk out on a lake. As long as you got a foot, as long as you got a foot on the shore, you're going like this to see if it's strong enough. And you put a little more weight, you put a little more weight, and then finally you go, okay, I guess it's going to hold me. That's where faith is. As long as you got a foot on the shore, it ain't no faith. Some of you are trying to play both sides of the fence. Can I just get real with you for a second? You're hedging your bets. Because if God doesn't come through, God's not going to show up if he thinks anybody else is going to get the credit except him. You know why so many people in third world countries get healed? Because they don't have a medicine cabinet. We get a headache. We get a headache. We run to the medicine cabinet. We don't run to Jesus. I'm just getting real. I do it guilty. How about the first thing I do is say, God, I don't want this anymore. Get rid of this. And give him a chance to step up. I'm not, listen, it's not an anti-medicine, <laughs> it's not an anti-medicine message. I'm just telling you, where, where does your mind go first when you need something, when you need God to intervene? By grace, through faith. I mean, faith is, 
I mean, I don't care how beautiful your jet stream aircraft out at the Abraham Lincoln International Airport is, how beautiful it is, unless it's got jet fuel in it, it's not getting off the ground. I mean, you can come here and look all the part. You can carry your Bible and wear your suit and wear your pretty dress and say all the right words, but if there's no fuel inside of you, if there's no faith inside of you, or the faith that you do have, you misplaced. That's not, no, I, I can't, I can't. It is faith that brings the things that God has provided for us from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. How do I know that? It is written. I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God. This is from Romans 4.17. And he calls into being those things that are not as though they were. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The Bible says without a vision, people perish. You know what that is? That's a vision for your home. That's a vision for your job. That's a vision for your family. That's a vision for your ministry. That's a vision for anything that you put your hand to. When you get a vision, you see something that isn't a reality. And then you say, okay, God, I'm going to call those things that are not as though they are. I'm going to be this business person. I'm going to be, I'm going to do this. And then you say, okay. And then you begin to talk and walk and think and believe like that. And you call those things that are not as though they are, and they manifest in your life. I'm not talking about saying it as a mantra in your life. I'm just talking about pure, unadulterated, raw, mind from the earth of God, faith in God. That's what I'm talking about. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and all of that. I'm just talking about where is your faith? What comes out of your mouth? Better be what God says about you and your family. You dirty, no good kid. You're going to grow up and be just like your, I can't believe. Well, that's what you're going to get. You're a child of God. You're a son of the most high. You're going to be righteous. You're going to praise God all the days of your life. You're going to marry a righteous woman. You're going to marry a righteous You're going to grow up. You're going to be strong in the Lord. You're going to run a business. You're going to be a billionaire. You're going to sell millions in the kingdom of God. You're going to be a prophet. You're going to be a priest. You're going to be a king. You're going to walk in the power and the authority of God. And people will run to you to find out how you do what you do. And you're going to say, God has blessed me. What are you prophesying over your life and your home and your family? Listen, I'm so far from my notes, sorry about that. I have no idea where I'm at, but I do want to tell you this. I want to say this too. I want to say this too. The reason that we are in, a lot of times in the mess that we're in is because we don't have a challenge in our life. <laughs> you don't want to hear that. I don't want to be against the Red Sea. I know you don't want to be against the Red Sea, but it was that teacher in high school that made you learn your times tables that now you look back on and you go, wow, Mrs. Kirk, she was a decent teacher because she made, she brought me to a difficult place and I learned something. You don't learn things when things go right. You learn things when the wheels fall off and you say, oh my gosh, I'm never going to do that again. I'm not going to do that again. By the grace of God, I will not go around that mountain again. I learned something when that, when that failure happened. You need a little trial in your life once in a while. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Shout me down. You need a little trial in your life once in a while to press you to a place of new faith. You can't get there from here until you know you got no righteousness. God brings you to the dead end of your Red Sea. Exodus 14, 13, when the children of Israel were against the Red Sea, the command came, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. 
Don't know that that would have been my directive. I got three to five million Israelites that are pushing me into the Red Sea and behind them I see the dust of the chariots of Egypt and they're coming to kill us and my first came, hey, but I just chill. <laughs> Relax, stand still. Don't be running around like a chicken with a head cut off. Stand still, fear not, and we will see the salvation of the Lord. Is that, is, that's where we need to be when that, when that doctor's report comes, when that lawyer calls, when somebody says, you know that thing you were trusting in? Uh, sorry, that's not, and rather freak, you freak out. And you, no, you say, okay, all right, well, here we are. Here's a new set of facts. But God's bigger than any set of facts anybody could ever deliver to me. And even if he doesn't act like a puppet on a string and perform like some sort of spiritual Santa Claus for you and make sure that your wish comes true, in the end, God is still God, whether or not he answers the way you think he should or not. Because if he has to answer the way you think he has to answer, guess what? You're God and he's not. (laughs) Not popular preaching, but it's the truth. You need to hear the truth. There's an old song we used to sing. I don't know. I don't know. We sang this back in the day, David. I don't know if we sang this with Pastor Callahan and Pekin at First Assembly. I will sing unto the Lord, for he is triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider are thrown into the sea. This is, a, uh, this is a, the song of Miriam from or song of Moses. When, after the children of Israel, the Red Sea opened, hallelujah, and they didn't slosh through on mud. It says they went through on dry ground. I like that about God. He does not only part, he says, we're going to make this dry and clean. You're not going to be all, all muddy when you get through with this. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Some of you need, some of you need that right now. You do. You feel like your back's against the Red Sea. Your job situation, your health, your car, your family, your kids, your marriage. My back's, Pastor, you don't understand, ma'am. My back's against the Red Sea. What do you want me to do, freak out with you? No, you want me to say, stand still. Fear not. You're going to see the salvation if you put your faith in him. And even if he doesn't deliver me from this fiery furnace, that's to you, King Nebuchadnezzar. God is still God. So take that, put that in your pipe and smoke. I will not bend, I will not bow, and I will not burn because the Lord my God will deliver me from any trial. I will get through it. I may not ever get over that terrible thing that happened to me, but I'll get through it. So let's keep reading. I love Romans, verse 24. And all are justified freely, I like that, by his grace through the, oh, here's a new word, redemption that came by, no, not your good works, not your keeping of the law, but came by how? This righteousness, this redemption came by grace, by Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. The Greek word redemption there means to release, deliverance, redemption, obviously. It is the act of a prisoner or a slave being freed from bondage by payment of ransom. So you are, you are bound, held, but Jesus, by his grace, comes and redeems you. You're bought back. You're in chains, and you don't even know it. But now you do know it because you can't get to there until you know where you are, and you are in the chains of your own sin. You go back to your own vomit like a dog. You say, I don't want to, but then you do. And you say, I'll try, and I'll try harder. All the trying in the world cannot make you righteous. 
all the hoping and wishing, it won't work. Jesus says, I will redeem you. I will buy you back. I'll pay your way out of that prison. So how do you get there from here? How do you become righteous? Not by observing the law, but by grace, through faith, in what? In the payment of his ransom. You believe that he paid the ransom. You ever been to dinner and then the waitress comes up to you and says, oh, somebody, somebody, bought your, somebody bought your lunch for you. And you look around like, who was that, right? If you had a lying, conniving, stealing waitress, she put that check back on your thing, on your table, because she saw them walk away. The devil is a lying, conniving, stealer, destroyer. Jesus paid your bill. He said, I paid it all. I'm here telling you your bill is paid, but there are those that will tell you it's not paid. You've got to pay it yourself. You got to struggle. You got to strive. You got to try. You got to do. And I'm here to say it's free. It's taken care of. It's been paid. It's been paid in full. Don't listen to the devil. Check this out. Hebrews 9, verse 15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of this new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom. That's the same word that we have in Romans 3, we just read. He has died as the ransom and as a result set us free from the bill that we needed to pay, set us free from our sins, committed first under the old covenant. I've never been to an escape room. Miles takes the teenagers to escape room. Everybody been in an escape room? You know what those are? If you don't know what they are, I'll give you the thumbnail. They lock you in a room with people who start out as your friends, but by the end, they ain't your friends because they're dumb as a box of rocks. And you're not getting out. You're not getting out until you find the what? Say key or the code or whatever it is that gets you out. And so there's clues Scattered. I think it was a television show a while back. It was something about it. And there were clues, and you would go in this room, and oh, there's a clock on the wall, but the clock isn't running. The clock is set at 4.02 p.m., 4.02. Maybe 4.02 is part of the code. Maybe that, or maybe it's the four, I don't know. And then you see, okay, well, there's a picture of, you know, Edgar Allan Poe. And his initials are EAP, and I don't know if that means. I don't know. We think about that, and there's and you start and you start overthinking. You start overthinking everything, and then you don't get out. And time's up. But in life, when the time's up, you go to hell. Jesus is the key. And we are all prisoners locked in sin. Not of your own doing. It's the way you were born. You have a sin nature the moment you were born. Well, I don't believe that. Well, then you've never had a kid. Because you don't teach a two-year-old to say, mine, mine, mine. No, share with your son. No, mine. I didn't teach little Johnny how to be selfish. Johnny is selfish naturally. By nature, Johnny only wants what Johnny wants. He thinks the universe, the axis of the world, goes through the top of his head and comes right out his feet. He thinks everything revolves around him. That's the sin nature. No one ever teaches little Johnny to be selfish. So don't tell me, kids, you're not born with the sin nature. 
We're all born into this broken state. I don't care how good your dad was, how good your mom was, how good your preacher and your friend, your be- everyone's broken. And that's why everyone needs grace. They need God's grace and they need your grace. Why are you beating up people when they stumble and fall and you expect grace when you stumble and fall? How about with the measure you use, you will get in return? Okay, I got to go on. Don't make me, I'll stomp on it. So you're in this escape room, you look everywhere, but Jesus is the key. Jesus makes the way for your escape through your Red Sea of sin. He paid your way with the sacrifice of his life. Next verse, verse 25. We got to wrap this up. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement mm -hmm, through the shedding of his blood to be received by her faith. Why, why, why? Because he, who he, God the Father, he, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness, not ours, his righteousness, because of his patience, his forbearance. He had left the sin committed beforehand unpunished. Up until this point, up until Jesus, all sin has been left unpunished. How do I know this? Because when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, uh, he sprinkled blood on the seat of the Ark of the Covenant, the atonement cover, and that covered the sin of Israel. Didn't remove the sin, only covered the sin. You know, when you were a kid and your mom told you to clean your room. Sorry, mom. When you were a kid and your mom told you to clean your room and you just put it all on, on your bed and covered it up with the, with the covers. <laughs> still there. The mess is still there. Until the mess in you is cleaned up and cleaned out, you're still a mess. I don't care. You can put lipstick on a pig. It, it doesn't help. Exodus 25, 17. Here's the direction to Moses. Make an atonement cover. Wait a second, an atonement cover? I thought, this is the cover on the Ark of the Covenant. And if you ever want to know how big the Ark of the Covenant is, I can give you the cubits and I can give you the inches you'll never remember. But if you think of a love seat, not a couch, not a chair, but a love seat, that's the size of the mercy seat. And I like the fact that God sits on a mercy seat, not a judgment seat. And this cover for this box is called the atonement cover. That's what it says, verse 15. Make a cover, an atonement cover, a pure gold, two and a half cubits long, cubit and a half wide, but it only covers. Jesus comes along, and Jesus' blood is once and for all. Now, when you say the phrase once and for all, it rolls off your tongue, but stop and think about what I just said. Once for all. Once and for all. That's the blood of Jesus. When the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is the only legal tender. You know legal tender? Like a dollar bill. The blood, the blood of Jesus is the only legal tender in heaven. It's the only thing of value in heaven. I mean, streets are gold. You know, it's like the, the millionaire who was allowed the, 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 St. Peter gave him the one final wish of you could bring anything to heaven. He said, I want to bring a suitcase of gold. And he shows up to heaven and St. Peter says, why'd you bring a, a suitcase of asphalt? <laughs> the blood of Jesus, the most valuable thing, now sprinkled once and for all for your sins. You're lost, dead in your sins, twice over dead, puking up sand in the desert of your own sin. You are lost. I have identified where you are on the map. You are lost. You can't get there from here except, except 
through the blood. He'll make a way through how? Through the blood. Why'd he do it? Verse 26. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just to the ones who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Jesus did it all. So what does that mean? That means you can't boast in the fact that you are now right with God. That's your righteousness. It's only his righteousness that allows you to escape the flames of hell. So where then is boasting? Verse 27. It's excluded because of the law, the law that requires works. No, because the law that requires, oh, wait a second. Here it is. This is weird. The law requires faith. See, God doesn't just respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. And I see too many people trying to get in step with God like you're in charge of the parade. And when I thought that thought, I wrote this down and I have to read it to you because it just makes so much more sense. He goes, our, our once broken lives now transformed by grace through faith in his righteousness makes us floats in the grand parade of the goodness of God on display to the lost and the broken of this world. You are only afloat in the parade. You don't run the parade. He wants to put you on display as something amazing. You used to be that. Now you're not that. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I once was broken. Now I'm healed. I once was a whatever. Now I'm not. I once was, but now I'm not. But by the grace of God, so our key verse, what did we read at the end of verse 17? The righteous shall live by faith. Wait a second. That's New Testament. No, put it up there. Do you have, uh, Ariel, do you have uh, Romans 1, 17? You do? Okay, watch this. We quote this every week. And the righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just, wait, just as it is. What does that mean? That means it's written someplace else. So when you quote that, you're not quoting the New Testament. Because when they're quote in the, in the book of Romans, when Paul's quoting, he's quoting Old Testament. So you're telling me the just shall live by faith is an Old Testament concept? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Habakkuk 4.2, or 2.4. Uh, yeah, the just shall live by faith. Whether Jew or Gentile, the law was not and has not been abolished by your faith, ladies and gentlemen. By grace, through faith, elevates us to a higher law. I thought I was free of the law. No, the law, the Ten Commandments, they're still basic. They're still intact. Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, don't covet. But when Jesus came along, he elevated the law to something else. He said, you've heard it say, don't commit murder. I'm telling you, you got anger in your heart towards your brother, you already murdered him. I'm telling you, you've heard it said in the Old Testament, don't, have lust, don't, don't commit adultery. I'm telling you, you have lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So he didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law and said, you know what? We're, we're going to take this to a whole nother level. <laughs> Watch. Romans, here's a sneak peek. I, I got to stay in Romans and we'll wrap it up. Romans 8, one of my favorite, favorite verses, chapters. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Why? Because through, through Christ Jesus, the wait, here's a law, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. The Old Testament law was the law of sin and death. You do that, you die. 
earthly commands with earthly consequences. That's why in the Old Testament, when somebody sinned, the earth swallowed up, swallowed them up. Boom, boom, dead, done. He told Israel, go and cut all their heads off. Earthly commands, earthly consequences. Somebody asked me just last week, why do the wicked seem to prosper? Why? That's because God will be the judge. It is only his grace. We're living in a time and a dispensation of grace where we should be thankful that when we lie to the Holy Spirit, we don't die like Ananias and Sapphira. We should be thankful because if it weren't for his grace, we'd all be zapped. So there's a new law in town and that law is more difficult to keep than the previous one. But then Paul reminds us it is the law of the spirit of life. So you keep in step with the spirit and I don't have time to unpack all that. You can't get there from here. You cannot get to righteousness from where you currently are until you first know that you're at the dead end of the Red Sea of your life. Then by grace through faith, you stand still, you fear not, you accept his way through, not my way, but Yahweh, the blood of the spotless lamb, sprinkled his heavenly atonement on the mercy seat, on the love seat of heaven. And so we accept his free gift today. What is that? Escape from the prison of your sin. Escape from the self-righteous rags you've wrapped yourself in. Escape from the delusion that you're okay. I'm all right. I'm good. Hey, let me tell you about you. Ah, it's okay. I'm good. No, you're not good. You're not good. I've heard some TV preachers, you know, the heart of me, we, I know you all want to do good. You don't want to do good. In your heart is to do evil, except by the grace of God. That's why you don't keep in step with the spirit. You're not running the parade. You're afloat in the parade. You're on display. The goodness of God. By grace, through faith. Without him, David and I will be back in the same hole we dug ourselves out of by the grace of God 40 years ago. I mean, it's weird. I mean, we haven't had heart-to-heart talks in a long time except face-to-face, you know, and you think about some of the stupid stuff you used to do. And more than once, last night, we're saying, yeah, I'd, I'd be dead. I should be dead. I should be dead. I don't want to go back to that. But some people, they live a good enough life to think they're okay. You're not okay. You're as lost as any any of the worst sinners on the face of the earth because if you've broken one of them, you've broken them all. So how do I get there from here? You can't. You've got to go through Jesus to get there. First identify the fact, yes, I am a sinner. I am lost. That's not a popular statement. You know why? Because that makes you not God. And this society today says you're the boss, you're in charge, you're God. So when you come to a realization that, man, I am lost. I need some help. What I am without God is not a good thing. I look at myself in the mirror and I think to myself, oh, I don't know. Did you ever? I don't know. You? Maybe. You wake up the next morning after whatever it is that you did last night, you look at yourself in the mirror and you say to yourself, is that who I am? Or do you even remember what you did last night? You're lost. You know when great revivals are birthed? I was telling David just last night, when great revivals are birthed, I was talking to, uh, who was I talking to? Yeah, I was talking to um, some friends of mine, talking about a sermon I mentioned last week, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I'll tell you it was who it was. It was Marsha. Marsha and I were chatting about it. It's not until you come to the realization that your life is dangling by a spider web thread over the flames of hell. 
That's how great revivals start when people realize their lostness. I need God. God will make a way. Your back may be against the Red Sea today, but God will make a way. Put your faith in God, for through Christ, you can do all things who strengthens you. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning, would you please? David, why don't you come on up here, would you please? Hallelujah. I'm going to give him, where did that microphone go? There it is. I don't want you to play something, buddy. I want you to, Uh oh, oh, you can play something if you want. Play God Will Make a Way. You got that? Yeah. Oh, uh, not God Will Make a a Miracle. This one here, whatever that is. Uh. Waymaker. (laughs) (laughs) Hit it, Dad. Kissy. Go, buddy, boo. No, it's God Will Make a Way Where There Seems to Be No Way. If you are needing direction from the Holy Spirit, your back is against the wall. God, I, I need you to show up in my life. I'm going to have the Connect Group pastors come down front. Staff is welcome. If you would come down now. If you need prayer, we're going to close out this morning with a time of prayer for you. Susie, if you want to come down too. Cheryl, if you would come down. We're here to, we're here to pray with you. You know what all these people have figured out? They don't have it figured out except Jesus. So we're just all sojourners. We're on the same journey, right? no longer a blind man looking for a black cat in a dark room. God will give you eyes to see. You find yourself in the, in the belly of the whale, back against the Red Sea, in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you need prayer this morning, step on out. Come on down. Men with men, women with women will pray for you. We'll believe with you. There's no reason to be embarrassed realize I need somebody to stand with me. I need somebody to stand with me in prayer. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. So you say, God, I, I, need, I, need you to, I need you to show me something. These guys will pray with you. They're not here to counsel you. They're simply say, God, show them. Open their eyes in the spirit realm. Maybe you need salvation. Maybe you just say, it's time for me to stop playing the game of church. I got to get serious with God. I got to figure this thing out. I got to stop putting on a show. I got got to be the real deal. I need some help. I need somebody to pray for me. Stand with me in faith. And right now, see, the enemy, the enemy in your mind is like those friends around blind Bartimaeus. Sit down. Be quiet. Don't do that. Don't don't go down there. Don't, Don't stand out. Don't, don't, don't do that. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. So, Father, we put our heart into your hands this morning. We thank you for your grace. That because of that grace, we have faith. And so we put our faith in you this morning. If you want to put all of your faith in Jesus, just lift your hand with me this morning. Father, we take every bit of faith that we have and we deposit it right now at your feet. We believe in you. We trust you. I may not understand everything about your word. I may not understand everything about who you are or be able to recite scripture, but Lord, I believe, I believe that you died for my sins and that 
by grace through faith, I can find forgiveness for my sins and hope for tomorrow that on that day that I pass from death into eternal life, I will be with you. If that's your desire, come on down. We'll pray for you right now. Father, we lift our hearts to you. We thank you for this word. We thank you for the ministry of of music this morning. Thank you for the presentation of your Holy Spirit anointed word. God, send us out as warriors, strong in faith, strong in spirit, unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And now may the peace of God and the power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit be upon you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.